0: the gun on you there, Ed. Uh, got up here a little sooner than I wanted to, but that's okay. A uh, couple of announcements before we get going this morning. One is that, if you read in the bulletin, uh, Cedric Day passed away uh, this past Friday, and Midland just told me that there will be a memorial service for him in Brooklyn at some time on Friday, but you'll have to give us uh, the time and the address later in the week as that has not been set. Uh, also, Trudy Molnar is back today after battling several different things, and she just wanted to thank everyone for her prayers, uh, for the cards, and the visits, and the calls, and all of those good things in which you showed to her. Uh, and we're really gra- glad to see her back, and she is grateful for that. If you're visiting with us this morning, and there are several here who are, we've been having a theme this year. Trying to be like God is being holy as God is holy. And in this quarter we are looking at being holy in the things in which we are weak at. And the things in which our weaknesses are. And one of our main passages is in Isaiah the 6th chapter where Isaiah sees the Lord and he says, Woe is me, I'm undone. And we talked last week about how we are spiritually very far from where God is. Once we see and we understand who God is. And so we notice that we have weaknesses that are spiritually related. And so we may have this this feeling of, oh, woe is me. Or this feeling of pity, we sometimes say, when it comes to woe. Because there is great sorrow that comes with that. That's not what I want to talk about this morning. This morning I want to talk about that other, oh, woe is me. I've got all of these physical weaknesses that keep me from being as we've defined holy, as devoted and set apart for God. You'll notice a a random passage in some senses in Luke, the 21st chapter, where a physical weakness brings upon woe to some. And in dealing with the destruction of Jerusalem, Jesus tells. When that comes about, he says in verse 21, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. But notice verse 23 what he says. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babes in those days. For there will be great distress upon the land and wrath through this people. You see, it would be a lot harder for a pregnant woman who can't get in a car, who can't jump on a plane, to flee and get out of town from this destruction that was going to come because of this wrath of God. Man, I feel sorry for her. And that person, if she had been caught in that city, would have felt the same way. Woe is me. I wish I could have got out of here. And so this morning, we're going to talk about being holy in our physical weaknesses. And we're going to use the Apostle Paul in three different scenarios when he goes to start a new church. Why he went there, and notice three physical weaknesses in which he had. The first is in the book of Galatians. I want you to go to Galatians, the fourth chapter. Paul, when he goes to these churches of Galatia, there's a reason that he goes to the churches of Galatia. And if you remember the letter that he wrote to the Galatians after that, you would remember that it wasn't a, hey, you guys are doing great, I really miss you letter. It was a, I'm surprised that you were turning away from him who called you so quickly. You've gone after another gospel, and I can't believe that you've gone after that one. So he brings up why he went to them first. I want you to notice in chapter 4. He says in verse 12, I beg of you, brethren... Because, become as I am, for I also, as you are, have you have done me no wrong, but you know that it was because of bodily illness that I preached the gospel to you the first time, or you may have a translation or a footnote that says bodily weakness. The reason he preached the Gospel to the Galatians at the very beginning was because he was sick with something. There was something that was in his way, in his body, this weakness that made him either stay in Galatia or go to. And they very well knew that. But notice what he says about that. He says in verse 14, "...and that which was a test..." to you, or a trial to you. His physical infirmity, his physical weakness, whatever that may be, was a test to them. Because my bodily condition, or again, my bodily weakness, you did not despise or loathe, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus Himself. Whatever his weakness was, it was so evident to them, and it was so catching to them that it tested them to see: is this guy really who he says he is? But they received him as an angel from God, as Christ Jesus Himself, as what he was speaking was coming from Christ Jesus. And he said, "Well, I wonder what it could be. No idea." Now, he does say something very interesting, right? Because again, he's amazed that these people have turned away so quickly. But notice verse 15. Where then is the blessing which you had? Where's it at? Where was that before? What happened to us? So verse 15. For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. They would have done anything possible. To help him, including giving them their own sight. And that's why he went there. He didn't know that. But they received him in such a way that he didn't let some physical problem keep him from fulfilling his purpose as a minister of Christ Jesus. And so we get to that passage we just read, that Ed just read for us in 1 Timothy chapter 5. In which a verse seems absolutely random in verse 23. Where he is addressing, you don't receive an accusation against an elder, a bishop, unless two or three people bring that. And some people's sins, they're hidden. You don't know about them until judgment. And right in the middle of that he says, don't drink only water. But drink a little wine for your stomach's sake, for your frequent... Infirmities is what Ed said. That's exactly right. Your frequent ailments, weaknesses, sickness. I wonder what Timothy had. But guess what Timothy still did? He still did the work of an evangelist. No illness was going to get in his way. And that gets us to you and me. You say, well, I'm not not an evangelist. Okay, But you get sick. And maybe you think about your other brethren who are sick. Instead of sitting there and saying, oh, it's me, it's so bad in this hospital bed. Or it's so bad in this doctor's office. Or it's so bad, whatever the case may be. And I'm only thinking about myself. I pick up the phone and I call somebody else who I know is sick. There was a, an elder back when I was in Atlanta. I've probably told this before. man was battling Parkinson's and leukemia. And doctors were not allowing him out of his house. And he would sit in his love seat, or on his recliner, I should say, and he would pick up the phone, and he was calling, and he was checking on his flock every single day. He didn't stop working because of his physical illness. He didn't stop preaching a man who taught me a lot. He didn't stop preaching when he was undergoing his treatments for cancer. As he was losing his hair and as he looked completely different. And imagine that for a second with Paul. They had maybe seen him before in one sense. So they had heard about this guy. And he shows up and things are happening to him. And he's not the same guy and he looks weak. And he's losing his sight. He's losing his hair. Whatever the case may be. This preacher, he didn't stop preaching. He still worked. He still tried to teach all his weekly classes because he wasn't going to let that get in his way. Or maybe it's somebody who doesn't live in an area where tremendous doctors are available at the disposal. Where you can drive half an hour or 15 minutes to see some of the best doctors in the world. But when I lived in Atlanta, there would be a lot of people who would have to come to Atlanta for medical treatments. And guess what they still did? They still worshipped. They might have had to go for their treatments during the week, but on Sunday and Wednesday, guess where they were? They were worshipping God. They weren't letting that get in their way. And I'm not talking about colds. And I'm not talking about the flu in which you are vomiting or you can get other people sick. I'm talking about those physical things that make us so weak, that bring us so down, that you lose your sight. And you lose your ability to breathe. And you still go through the effort to be there. Because you belong to God and you want to be devoted to Him. You don't blame Him. You thank Him for a new opportunity. Don't let our physical illnesses keep us from being set apart for God's use. The second thing we see is when He goes to Corinth and He begins the church in Corinth. And Acts chapter 18 is where He does that. But I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 where He again, He's writing these people. And He has to again remind them of what it was like when He came. Because, you know, sometimes we forget what it was really like. (laughs) Which is interesting, right? We participate in it, we know it, but years go by or time goes by and we forget what it really was. And so He says to him in verses 1 and 2, I didn't come to you with wisdom of speech or persuasive speech or anything like that. But in verse 2, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now notice verse 3. And I was with you in weakness. What was that? And in fear and much trembling. The second thing we want to see is that can physically get in our way is our fear and the way in which we present ourselves. Our presence. And think about how he says that here. I was with you in fear and and much trembling. you ever been so scared or so shook up that you were, well, I just use the word, shaking? Happens all the time when maybe you're in a near car accident. Or maybe you don't know what the response is going to be if you're sitting in the doctor's office. Or you've got a test that is coming up and you are actually afraid of it. And it seizes you. And it catches you. And it paralyzes you. And I lost connection again, as usual, for whatever reason. It doesn't like uh, Sunday mornings. But there's much fear and there's much trembling. We all understand that. He said, well, what did Paul have to fear? What did Paul have to worry about? Well, I want you to go back to the book of Acts. And hold your finger here in chapter 2, because we're going to come back to it. Go to the book of Acts in Acts 18 When he begins the congregation, when he begins the church, there's a lot of opposition at first. That he's in the synagogue and he's reasoning. And finally some people are baptized, but the guy who was the head of the synagogue ends up getting beaten. And the day in which apparently many Corinthians became Christians, I want you to notice what was said. He needed encouragement. Notice in verse 9, the Lord said to Paul that night in a vision, do not be afraid. But go on speaking, and do not be silent. For I am with you, and no man will attack you in order to harm you. For I have many people in this city. You know what the fact is? You know what your job is, and you're there to do it. That doesn't mean you're not going to be terrified. And so imagine you get in front of people, and you don't know if they're going to pick up a stone to throw at you. Aren't you going to be shaking a little bit? How about a lot? Because you just don't know, but you know you have to do it. But the Lord said to him, you go on and you speak because I have a lot of people who are going to listen to you. And no one will harm you. And so notice the next verse. So he settled there for a year and six months. He's now got the confidence to stay. So when he stays and when he's there, if you go back to 1 Corinthians 2, I lost it again, didn't I? No, I didn't. It was changed. If you go back to 1 Corinthians 2, I want you to notice this idea of him being weak in his presence. I did. I lost it. So we're going to skip the PowerPoint here the rest of the morning. That's just the way it goes. He got weak in his presence. And you'll notice in there in verse 3. Then he said, I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. In verse 4, and my word, my message, and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but a demonstration of the Spirit and power, so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. And you say, Well, what do you mean he chose to be weak? You remember what Paul did before he became a Christian? Remember how he was advancing in Judaism beyond all his contemporaries? How he studied at the foot of Gamaliel? And how we would see many times in the book of Acts he gives eloquent, persuasive speeches? But in Corinth, he didn't do that. In Corinth, he made sure that his speech was weak. And people notice that. Go to 2 Corinthians of what his accusers are saying to him. They're saying about him in verse 10, they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his personal presence is unimpressive and his speech is contemptible. Imagine if somebody got up here in front of you and you had heard all of these great things about them and they were this apostle and they get up and they are shaking and they can't give a good message. They don't sound like you would think an apostle would sound like. They're not eloquent. They're not using big words. They're not doing all these things. They are just... Oh, there's nothing special about that person. Exactly. That's what he said. I came here and I chose to be weak so that the power would rest in God. So that gets us to what that mean with you and me? <laughs> you know, frankly, sometimes we are just terrified of what's going to happen if we speak out about something. <clears throat> don't be afraid. What if they harm you? 1 Peter 3 says, don't fear their intimidation, but you are blessed. For well, verse 15 he says, but sanctify the Lord in your heart. And be ready to give it offense. The fact of the matter is, don't be so afraid that you won't speak out. Secondly, when you speak out or when you teach, the focus is on God, not on me. It's not about me looking smart. It's not about me giving great speeches. It's about me pointing you to what God has to say. It's about me pointing you to what God wants. And if you believe that, great. If you don't, fine. As he said to the Corinthians there in the synagogue, your blood is on your own head. I go to the synagogues. Don't be afraid and don't think you have to have eloquence in order to fulfill your purpose of being set apart to God to speak for him. Using his words. Thirdly, the third church in which he goes to, and which we're going to focus on, is the Thessalonians. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul again writes to these people, he was only in Thessalonica for a short time. He reasoned three Sabbaths in the synagogue and probably spent a little more time, but not a lot more time. And they dragged him out. The brethren said, you get out of this city And what happens is, he came to them, and what happened in Thessalonica is persecution arose, and Jason and some other brethren were dragged out of their house because they were housing the Apostle Paul. And he goes to Thessalonica, and I want you to know what he says in verse 1 here of chapter 2. You yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. The third thing that could physically impede us and be a physical weakness to us is when we are actually beaten down. Now, nobody is coming through and getting the rods like they received in Philippi. But maybe somebody mocks you. Maybe somebody is opposing you and they're pushing you down and they're trying to keep you down because you've been speaking the Word of Christ. And that physically affects you. Paul says, we came, and notice how he said it, we spoke with boldness, confidence. We came in, we knew there was going to be opposition. But that didn't stop us. Because you needed the word. And amidst all these persecutions, and amidst all these trials, we were willing to do that. And so guess what happened? They were beaten. And guess what happened to the Thessalonians? They were beaten. But notice chapter 3 here. Actually, no, I want to stay in chapter 2. I want you to notice something he says in verse 6. He says, we didn't seek glory from men, either from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ. And here it is. We might have asserted our authority. See, as apostles, they had the right to show strength, to show authority. They didn't do that at Thessalonica. Notice what they did, verse 7. We proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother who tenderly cares for her children, having so fond affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but here it is, but our lives also. You see the vulnerability that they just made, how vulnerable they made themselves. Not only are we going to tell you about the gospel of Jesus But we're going to let you know us. And we're going to open ourselves up to you. And we're going to nurture you. And we trained you. And we were gentle among you. Even though we could have commanded you. We could have asserted you. That's not us. Because he knew, guess what, they were going to have to go through. Persecution. And when hardships happen to you, you don't need somebody else coming along and beating you over the head, do you? You need someone coming through to encourage you. So here's what happens sometimes as we close out. Here's what happens when we go through this and we're beaten down. Because of the sake of Christ, sometimes we have to be beaten a little further. Look chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, when we could do it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we have been destined, for this you see what they did they were willing to give up themselves and get uncomfortable so that these others would be able to get strength through their trials and the truth is when you're down pray to God that he will help you keep speaking boldly That's what the apostles did. When you're speaking boldly, encourage others to take a stand as well. That's what it is. And three, be willing to give up something for the benefit of others, even if that's going to cause you a little bit more physical difficulty. Don't let those things get in the way. Don't let our sickness, don't let our fear and our inabilities and don't let hardships, persecutions get in the way from us being fully and wholly